Good morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're listening to this podcast, I have opened the book. My name is David McClelland, I'm 24 years old, I'm from Portadown and I have a slightly different profession to what a lot of these guys would have. Um, I used to work in Rich Hill Presbyterian Church but now um, I now work in Craigavon Hospital Labs, so slight shift in career path there but I would still have involvement um, in my own church in Edenderry and with New Horizon as well and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to study First Peter together with you today. Can I just ask you if you're able to open a Bible to the passage that we're thinking about today? It'll be First Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 8. First Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 8. Only do this though if you're able. If you're driving just wait until you get home um, unless you're really desperate to see the Lord but at least Get through the podcast first. That would be great. I personally think it is really helpful that as we're led through God's word, we should continually be looking down to remind ourselves of what the passage actually says. The words that we'll be reading from and the words that we're studying. These words are from the same God that spoke creation into existence and they're written in front of us and they're no less powerful even now. It is he, it is God who is speaking to us today. Not me, not Dave, but it is God's word. These are God's words. And it's only by the work of his spirit that we're able to even understand them and even begin to apply them to our lives. So with that in mind, we're going to pray together and then we'll get stuck into the passage. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive, that it is speaking, and that you still speak to us today through it. We pray that as we think about this quite tricky passage now, that your spirit would make Jesus clear to us. That your spirit would work to give us eyes and hearts that are ready to see and understand the truths that are laid within these pages. Father, we ask you to help us apply it to our lives pray that it would not just wash over us, but become deeply rooted within us and that we would think about it. We would let it convict us and challenge us, but we would also let it bring us to Jesus. Pray that we would see his glory and grace and power from what we're thinking about today. We ask this through his name. Amen. So I'm going to read the passage for us because um, I realise that some of you won't be able to read the passage um, immediately where you are. And then we'll get stuck into thinking about it. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 8. This is God's word. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. 
So I'm going to set my stall out fairly early on here and say that even though this passage is a little bit weird and a bit tricky to understand, I can say now with absolute confidence that I know exactly what it is about. In fact, I'm maybe going to spoil the rest of this series and tell you what each and every passage that we will read together is about. Actually, no, I think I'm going to go one further. I can tell you right now that the whole Bible, the 66 books, Genesis to Revelation, every character and story, piece of poetry and prophecy, these are all about one thing. Within the Bible, everything is about Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3 makes this clear. When we come to passages that we find hard to understand, like this one, it's important that we don't just sort of guess what they mean. The temptation usually is some sort of random, artsy-fartsy, moralistic message about just trying to be a better person. Or maybe it's about how to become one of those level two Christians, you know, who'll really get God's super special blessing. The temptation may be sort of a bit of traditional religion bashing or thinking about where I personally fit into this story and which character I am. When we come to the Bible, we need to view it through a particular lens. If anybody listening to this is old enough to remember those sort of old red and blue 3D glasses at the cinema, you'll know without the glasses that the picture you were watching was a bit vague, it was a bit weird, the colours were all wrong and sort of watching it for any length of time gave you a sore head and it just wasn't quite right. But when the glasses were on, there was depth, there was colour appearing in the picture and you could see exactly how the movie director wanted you to see the movie. When we come to the Bible... We ask the Holy Spirit to show us Jesus. The lens that we read the Bible is that it's all about Jesus and we only see that with the Spirit's help. We ask him to reveal to us our sin and his grace. A really helpful way that I find to do this is by asking three fairly simple questions. The first question that I would ask is, how does this passage tell me about Jesus and show me God's character? Secondly, where does it show me my continual need for Jesus and salvation? Thirdly, with these things in mind, how do I respond? It's these questions that we're actually going to ask as we open up this passage together. So I'm going to stop stalling and let's actually get into the passage. So first question, how does this passage tell me about Jesus and show me God's character? If you look down at the passage, or if you can remember whenever I was reading it, Jesus is only mentioned once by name in verse 5. We offer spiritual sacrifices through Jesus Christ to God the Father. But he's actually mentioned a lot more in the chapter. In fact, there's a mention of the Lord Jesus in every verse. And every mention is along a similar theme. Stones. Jesus is this stone that Peter is talking about in the letter. And we are to be like not considered identical, but rather imitate, we are to be like this stone. Now you might be thinking, seriously, come on, Dave, this link is a wee bit tenuous here. How on earth is Jesus a stone? Where on earth did you pull that out of? And even if it is true, what does that have to do with anything? Let's dig a little deeper. Verse 4. We're told about this living stone which was rejected by men but holy and precious in the sight of God. Think briefly to the Easter story where Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday by crowds who loved him 
and then mocked and scorned on his way to Calvary by those same crowds rejecting him only five days later. The same Jesus who at his baptism in Mark 9 verse 11 finds complete pleasure is considered holy and precious in the sight of God. Sometimes people can think of Christians as having to be really aggressive and really stand up and fight anybody who opposes the gospel. These people are usually find, um, or usually labelled, I find, as just saying whatever they think and being so bold and honest. And these people don't care what other people think about them. It's all very gung-ho. And I will be honest, I think there is a time for such action. But in the same passage where we learn of how Jesus was completely betrayed by his own people who welcomed him into Jerusalem with praise less than a week before they murdered him, we're told that Jesus was considered precious by God. But how? God took delight in Jesus' humility. God took delight in Jesus' humility. Jesus, fully God and fully man, who had every right as creator of the universe and saviour of the world to, you know, sort of clap back to those who rejected and mocked and beat him, Jesus said nothing. He was quiet. God is the judge. Jesus was humble. God is the ruler and God will and does exact his judgment on those who reject Jesus and reject him. Jesus had every right to say something, to stand up, to correct those people. He said nothing. He was humble. This is truly countercultural. Not arguing your way to convince somebody, but by showing the character, the humility of Jesus. This is countercultural. The everlasting, eternal kingdom of God, which will never die or fade away, but rather stretch on into eternity, did not begin with a fight and a well-won argument. It was won and started by the humility of Jesus. Jesus, who had no good reason outside of a love and mercy for his people to hang on a cross. What do we learn here of God in this passage? We learn that not only to enter, but even progress through the ranks of his kingdom, we don't fight our way to the top. We don't win people in by proving them wrong. But rather, we continually lower ourselves in the sight of who he is and what he has done. That's verse 5. Verse 5 is our imitation of Christ, our part to play in this kingdom. And this kingdom will grow in number and likeness of Jesus and be built together into something miraculous. We are built together into the church. That's what Peter talks about here. It's the mirror of Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 22. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. By humility, which is how we approach the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our hearts and minds are transformed. We are changed from outsiders 
to insiders, from slaves to sin, to children of the king, a holy people. And we are brought together by the Spirit of God to form the church where everything we do is to the glory of God alone. Our lives are not a testament of how great we have become and how much better we can be, but rather they are a testament of how great our God continues to be. Our righteousness and best efforts are like dirty rags to God. Our songs are to be about Jesus. Our prayers are to be through Jesus. Our financial time and offerings are only for Jesus. God requires humility. God wants our humility to be centred around who Jesus is and who we are in light of that. But his plan to build a kingdom was not a quick idea that God had just one day. God is unchanging. He has one sovereign plan and nothing that we can ever do will ever alter or change that. If anything we did catches God by surprise or even causes him to somehow change his mind, he isn't God. And then he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. God requires humility. It's all he requires. And it will take every part of us to act that way. Here then we come to question two. Where does this passage show me my continual need for Jesus and salvation? Humility is never achieved. From verse 4, Peter implies that our coming to Jesus does not stop throughout our life as a Christian. Peter doesn't say, once you come, but instead, as you come to him, you yourselves, like living stones. And so the verse goes on. Humbling yourself under the authority of scripture and the glory of God is not something easy and not something that we will ever naturally be inclined to do. It's only as we come to Jesus through a lifetime of recognizing our unworthiness and need for his grace that we can even grow in humility and be transformed by his spirit into the people that God created us to be. Faithful image bearers of Jesus who show and share his love and gospel with the world regardless of rejection by others. One thing that is slightly handy to know here is that a cornerstone is an actual thing and not some sort of metaphor or um, for like sort of a song for Chris Tomlin to make some money off. In biblical and medieval times, a cornerstone was a deep and heavy stone set at typically the front part of a castle or fort and it was considered the strongest part of the structure. If the stone was removed, the whole building would be compromised. But it was incredibly hard to remove. The better the cornerstone the safer the stronghold. Isaiah, a prophet who existed around 700 years before Jesus, came to the people of Israel with a message. He said in Isaiah 28 verse 16, that I, God, am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This is what Peter is quoting in verse 6. If you believe in Jesus in that, if you believe in his message of salvation and that your sins which separate you from God have been totally and forever forgiven, then you receive the blessing as one of God's children where you inherit the earth with Christ and live forever. If you don't believe this message, Peter, well, King David and Isaiah, they address you. In Psalm 118 verse 22, 
2. David writes, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Isaiah 8, 14, Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. Where you stand with Jesus, the cornerstone of the kingdom of God, the only one to have ever conquered death, where you stand with Jesus is so, so important. The passage makes this clear. You're either with Jesus or he is against you. But this war that Jesus fought, it's already over. Death and sin are defeated. If you are in the kingdom of God, a part of his people, a part of the church, you're not just safe but blessed. If you're not a part of this, then the end of verse 8 is a really difficult read. God's will, as we know, is perfect and planned out. It will not change. Nothing ever catches him by surprise. There is a punishment waiting for those who rejected Jesus. It has already been decided. This punishment has already started. Your stumbling and sin is a natural state that you and I were born into. To disobey God's word by rejecting Jesus leads only to the death and punishment that is promised for you. And finally, question three. Now that we've thought about all of this, how our humility is what shapes our lives as a Christian. How God's plan is perfect and unchanging and and the two sides that we can be on, either with God or against him. With these in mind, ask yourself, how will I, how will you respond to these truths? Let's pray as we finish. Father, thank you that even those times that we aren't humble, those times that we put ourselves first, you still love us and you still call us to be one of your children. Thank you for the forgiveness that is found in Jesus and we pray that that forgiveness will be made known to us, whether it's for the first time or the hundred and first time, Lord. We ask that you continue to work in us, continue to work in our churches, make us people that want to grow in love and likeness of Jesus. Be the cornerstone to our faith. Be the one that we look to and the one that we can run to. Father, we ask these things and and so much more through the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening um, to this week's episode or this day's episode of Open the Book. I hope you enjoyed it and I'm sure at some point you'll be hearing from me again soon. Hello everyone. Uh, In case you can't remember me from the previous series, uh, my name is Jack Hutchinson and I belong to Warringstown Presbyterian. Um, Tried to minimise background noise by moving rooms. There's quite a lot of wind (laughs) tonight. Um, So I'll try to minimise that for you guys. So hopefully there isn't too many issues with that. Um, But Please bear with me if there are. Um, I think it would be a good, good place to start um, with today's reading, which is in Malachi, Malachi um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And I'll be reading from the ESV. Um, and now, O priests, the command is for you. If you will not listen, 
If you will not take it to heart to give honour to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not let to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offspring, your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi will may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I give them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and up, uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you've turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and I will make you despised and, and abased before all people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Uh, I think the, the immediate temptation when it comes to a passage, passage like this is to think, well, that's all well and good. It's all well and good in ancient Israel, um, but how does it apply to me? And I think on the surface, you know, that critique um, could be fair enough. Um, the priests that we read of here are um, of the Levite order, um, and Jesus has fulfilled the need for them, um, which is part of the reason why we don't have priests performing sacrifices in our churches. Um, but to take that attitude that it doesn't matter to me, it's, it's, all, it's just for those guys way back then, that would be a big mistake. Um, there's actually plenty of lessons and instructions for us to learn from it, um, particularly about the danger of turning away from God and not giving him what we owe. Um, I said that there, the, the Levite priesthood um, is no longer required, but in First uh, Peter, which I know is a book that, that we looked at, um, chapter 2, verse 5, Peter called the, the whole church a holy priesthood. Um, Christ opened the way for us to come directly to God through him. Uh, we can walk with Christ as our high priest without the need for the priest in this passage, but it means responsibility is on us um, to do this in our walk with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, in the beginning of the passage, uh, we read that the priests are, are warned that if they do not listen to God, take it to heart and give honour to his name, they will be cursed. Um, and at the end of the passage, um, the, clearly the curse has been fulfilled. They are despised before all the people. Um, the priests in the time of Malachi uh, have have done wrong. But the question is, well, what what have they done wrong? Um, and I think firstly, uh, they they fail to listen to God. Um, you see that in verse two. If you do not listen, clearly they haven't. Um, and if you don't listen to God, then how, how are they meant to be? ministers to the people and again I think you know something that sometimes I think about and it's kind of easy to think is well you know if I was in if I was a Levi priest and I had access to the holy of holies where God dwelt and uh, then I would listen to God and um, you know I would be able to see him physically uh, a manifestation of God or even if I wasn't a priest if I was just around in those days I would know people who had access to that um, but because we don't have like physical display of God's glory in our time, then it's it's more difficult. But the reality is that what we have is, is far more than any Old Testament Israelite or priest even. Um, we have the complete revelation of God in Scripture. 
And when we read the Bible, we can listen to what God says um, to us. And we have the Holy Spirit as a helper for us to know God better and to help us to understand um, his word. Um, we have so much more than the priests of the Old Testament that, that, that these, these Levite priests who have disobeyed God could have ever dreamed of. Um, so we must we must listen to God for his word and, and, and lean on Christ day by day and not have that attitude of, well, you know, it'd be easy if, if we were the Levite priests, we, w- we wouldn't have had these problems, but it's not true. <laughs> we would very much have had the same issues. Um, and I think the second point, so the first point is they've, they've failed to listen to God. And secondly, they have turned aside from the way. Um, and verse 8 says that very clearly, but you've turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. Um, you've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And not only has their turning away from God and falling into sin brought a curse upon themselves, but it's actually sadly affected others as well. Um, their bad example has affected the people. And just as that happened, you know, from the Levite priests, um, affecting regular Israelites, like we must be worried um, of the example that we set towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also people in school who maybe don't believe or, you know, if we play football at our, at, you know, at our local club, um, and instead of turning people from sin, the priests are actually leading people off the true path. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a scary thought, and it's, it's it's something for us to think about as well. And it's not just for ministers today or for people who lead our churches, but we should be praying um for them, but also for us too, as we set an example for, um perhaps younger Christians around us or even just our friends and family as well. Um, so obviously there we see that okay, these priests have failed. They've failed to listen to God. They've turned aside from the way and now they're going to be cursed and um, fall under God's wrath. But what what makes a good priest? What could they what should they have done? What should they have been doing? Um, and if we in the church are holy priesthood, as first Peter chapter two um talks about, um, then what should we strive to do with the power of the Holy Spirit as our guide? Well I think verses five, six and seven offer um, a lot of us are, offer much for us to learn from and to jog our memories. I think it might be helpful for me to, to read those out again. So verse five, he feared, he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Um, verse six, true instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Um, so I think two, two things stood out for uh, to me from that. Obviously, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot there, a lot of points to think about. Um, but I think first of all, um, we should we should fear the Lord. In verse five, He feared me. He stood in awe of my name. And what does that mean? Um, it, it's not a fear of just of just being scared. Um, but it's 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 a lot more than that. Um, the Bible says that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And R.C. Sproul, who perhaps some of you uh, know of, um, he was a great preacher. Um, and he he's talked about this in, in I think, a helpful manner for us. Um, he said, our focus should be on a sense of awe and respect for the majesty of God. God is our father and we're encouraged to address him in that way, address him in that way. But we shouldn't be flippant uh, about that. We shouldn't... Um, downplay that um but we're we shouldn't downplay god you know and, and, and be flippant about him and and, and think little of, of that um 
were always to maintain a healthy respect and adoration for him. Um, and another thing to think about is if we have a, a really healthy adoration for God, uh, we should have an element of knowledge um, that God can be quite frightening. Um, as, as Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, it is a frightening thing to fall into the hands of the living God. As sinful people, we have every reason to fear God's judgment and it's part of our motivation to be reconciled with God. And if you're listening um, to this today and, 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 and maybe you're not a Christian, and that's something to think about as well. You know, there's, there's a, there should be a fear in, in, in falling into the hands of the Lord um, if we're not made right with him through Christ and, and, and through trusting in him um, and repenting of our sin. And, 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 and yeah, just turning to Christ because um, yeah, his, he welcomes us with open arms. Um, so that's the first point. We should fear the Lord. Um, and have a healthy respect for him and, and a sense of awe and, and, and adoration. And second of all, we should help to turn others away from sin. You see, that's that's the point I was making earlier about how um, not only did the priests uh, turn away from God themselves, but they led others astray. Um, so how, how can we help turn others away from sin and help them? Well, I think a very practical thing we can start to think about is, is praying for people, um, praying for... Uh, for those around us perhaps for our ministers um, you know and people who have to try to teach the bible to us maybe our, our youth leaders or our parents um, just haven't gotten into a good habit of, of, of praying for those people and, and, and praying that they would be able to understand God's word and, and help us to, to learn from it as well and, and people that we know well enough to actually get to know people well enough friends and, and those around us I know it can be difficult but if we do that, we can start to discuss issues with them, um, and it's not that's not just something that ministers or Old Testament priests are called to do, but it's for us as well as, as believers. Um, we should be surrounding ourselves with people who can help keep us accountable when we sin and when we do wrong, and um, we can help them be accountable as well. Um, perhaps maybe at your youth club, there there are small groups, um, or even just in your church. You know, you might be reaching an age where. You can get involved in a small group and I'd really encourage you to do that. Um, obviously, I know in, 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 in my church at Warringstown, um, they started to do small groups for all ages, you know, um, from, I would say, you're, you're never going to be turned away if you're 16, 17, 18, um, that sort of age. It's, it's a great thing to get involved with, but if you're younger and you feel like you couldn't be involved in that, um, one in your, uh, your youth group um, would be great and... I think it can be really healthy just to be able to speak to people openly about issues and, and learn what other people are going through and then pray for them as well. Um, but yes, I think at this point it might be healthy just to take a step back, look at the passage again at a higher level because there's a lot to think about and you could easily get lost talking about those sort of practical things. But um, I think first, just to, just to summarise, um, just before I finish, um, I think first of all, the first point I'd like to say is Christ's sacrifice on the cross has fulfilled the need for the priesthood. So that's why there's no need for the Levitical priests to be about in today's era. But secondly, that doesn't mean that instructions to them are of no meaning or value to us. Um, what went wrong with those guys? Um, that they failed to listen to God and they led others away from him um, when they were meant to be a good example. That, that speaks to us as well. And fourthly, what makes a good priest? Well, and what you know, how does that what does that mean for us? 
We should fear the Lord and we should help to turn others away from sin. And just to close, I'd like to think of a, of a pra- discussing maybe that practical idea a wee bit further of praying for people. Um, you know, sometimes it can be a bit daunting to think, flip, you know, is this guy's going through a really rough, rough patch. What do I do about it? I don't have the answers. And that's okay. We're not going to have the answers. But sometimes just saying to a friend quietly who you know is having a rough time or perhaps they've lost a loved one or um, you just know they're, they're really struggling. If you just go up to that person and say, you know, one-to-one, look, I know you've been going through this. You've discussed it with me and I'm praying for you. Sometimes that can just really mean a lot and it's just you know it's 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 a it can be a great thing for those guys for that for that particular person but it can also be great for you because you're going to have difficult times and having friends around you who you know are praying for you can be um so helpful as well and you're definitely getting to an age where that's something that you should be be looking to do and just getting into and even if you you know if you may be thinking well you know I know my friends aren't maybe mature and they wouldn't appreciate that but it wouldn't stop you from just quietly praying for them um, and maybe praying that you can have discussions with them about faith and about um, what it means for you um, and just for your minister as well. Um, I know that for recently with COVID and stuff, it hasn't been easy for those in ministry and those in leadership in the church and you're never too young to be praying for those um, those men and I think they would really appreciate it as well. Um, and that's just something that something to think about um too and and I hope you can maybe incorporate that into your life because prayer is something that I think a lot of us and I speak to myself here as well we can neglect very easily and we can think ah oh, it's it's okay that's for that's for um people to do on a Wednesday night at small group or at uh, sorry at, at prayer group meetings but it's not it's for something that we can do quietly at home um as well and it's just our way like to come to God um as as our father and it's a, it's a real privilege um and I just hope that we can incorporate that into our lives um more and more and I think as well something that can be forgotten about too is if you're listening to this and you're you're maybe not a Christian is like uh, there's a sense in which we should fear God um and if, well it's for Christians too we should have awe and respect for him but you know it is a frightening thing to fall into the hands of the living God if you haven't if you're not right with him, if you haven't repented of your sin and, and, and turned to Christ, because he's the only way that we can be saved. And um, if you're if you're thinking about that, if you're not sure, please discuss it, discuss it with somebody and um, discuss it with your youth leader, um, minister, just so, a Christian that you can trust um, in your life. You know, maybe it's a friend in school who's told you to listen to this podcast. Speak to them about it. Um, they'd really love that and just it can be really good just to start getting conversations um, about what it means to be a Christian and, and to help you guys to understand. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope you're able to follow all of that. Um, it's quite a difficult passage to, to, to grapple with and understand in order to bring, bring a message to you guys today. But, but once I started looking into it, there's actually quite a lot. Um, and we only kind of scratched the surface of, of it with only a few, you know, a few, a few things to think about. Um, um, but it can get overwhelming very quickly. So thanks very much um, for making it to the end and for listening. And um, if you don't mind, uh, I'll just uh, close in prayer. Um, dear Lord, I pray to thank you that um, we can come anywhere to your word. And there's just so much for us to, to learn from it. Um, I pray to thank you, Lord, that 
with technology, we have so many different mediums that we can come to you by, um, like this podcast, for example, or it just wasn't possible in the past. And yeah, I just pray to thank you for that. And um, I pray for everyone that's listening, Lord, um, perhaps they're going through a um, difficult period, Lord, with, with exam pressure or, or other things, Lord, and that um, they'd be able to just to lean on your everlasting arms, Lord, and, and know that um, as Christ um, is, 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 that he welcomes you with, with open arms, Lord, and that yeah, we can all turn turn to him and, and, and lean on him, Lord. And yeah, I just pray for the months ahead, um, for um those those in ministry, um, in our in our churches, Lord, that you just help them, grant them wisdom, um, and that yeah, for, for, for any young person listening to this, Lord, that they would just um reflect maybe on their on their prayer life, Lord, and try just to pray more and uh that it would just help them to grow lord um and i pray that everyone here who's listening would just have a a great christmas and just yeah remember the reason uh for the season as well i know that's a bit of a cliche but that they would just remember what christmas is all about and uh, i know the bible will be open this time of year um, and very familiar passages will be read but that we would come to it um afresh lord ready to learn more and that perhaps um if we have time lord considering that we're, we're going to be off school and and off work that we would just um read perhaps one of the gospel accounts for ourselves lord and grapple with it and, and, and try to understand what it meant that your son came to the world and came to the earth and, and became the flesh lord for us and um died on the cross we would just really grapple with those things um in the days and weeks that lie ahead and yeah i just pray these things in in jesus name amen yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys, and I hope you have a great Christmas and you get rested up and just enjoy time with fa- with family and friends. But also just yeah, remember remember why we celebrate Christmas and it's that it's about Christ. So thanks very much for listening.